Well, I was a fisherman on the open water And these working hands brought life to me Until the one who said Come and follow and I'll show you life you've never dreamed Then I found myself walking on the water I found my heart open like the seas Fell in love with a holy fire This long time captive is finally free Oh, and just like Peter We're meant to follow And find his love so beautiful So when I call on Jesus Every morning I know all things are possible Then I find myself walking on the water I find my heart open like the seas Fell in love with a holy fire This long time captive is finally I'm walking on, I'm walking on, I'm walking on water, yes I am, I'm walking on, I'm walking on, I'm walking on water, and Lord, I bow down at your feet,
do, Dr. Bob, is we'll put the first part of our sermon in, and we'll push it, and it'll keep playing over and over and over until you get it. And after you get our first point, we'll push the button and we'll go on to the second. That was really cool, man. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate the monks being with us a couple of times, three times now, and tonight they'll be uh, bringing us a concert. Um, be here tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that at the end, but thank you guys so much for coming and lead us in worship. I know we all are about to hit the road, so we may not see you for quite a while now, but we've enjoyed having you guys with us, and we really do appreciate y'all. So, amen? Amen. Passion and courage are two very important things in life. Passion, according to dictionary.com, is this. Strong and barely controllable emotion. And courage has two definitions. The ability to do something that frightens one and strength in the face of pain or grief. Let me start this morning by doing what I love to do. Telling you a Rachel story. Can I tell you, in my life, I have a lot of passions. I have things that I'm passionate about. Love me some Alabama football. Watched the A game yesterday. Absolutely the boringest game I've ever watched in my life, but I loved every minute of it. It was great because it was Alabama football again because I'm passionate about it. But I'm also very, very passionate about this girl named Rachel. I love her. And when I first saw Rachel, I fell head over heels in love with Rachel. Not so much for her. She looked at me and went, hmm. And I began to pursue her, not stalk her, boys. I pursued her till she finally gave in and said, yes, I will marry you. There was a lot of pursuing, dude, Ben. Dylan, let me just tell you, pursue, pursue, pursue. Don't stalk. You start stalking, they run, just so you know. Pursue. And I pursued her. And I chased her. And I did whatever it took to get her to, to come into my life and to say yes when I said, will you marry me? Well, one night, we were having one of those fights. This is before we got married. We're having one of those knockdown, drag out, big old fights. We'd been on the phone for hours. Back in the day, you actually had to use phones for words, students. You didn't just text them at people. So we were talking and talking and talking 
and it was driving, you know, you guys, amen, y'all been in those moments, all the, yeah, it's just like, really? Really, you're going to say more words? I'm right, you're wrong. I couldn't even tell you what that fight was over. But we almost ended that night. We were fighting, and we were fighting, and we hung up, and guess what? We were still fighting. And I went, uh-oh. I'm going to have to pursue something here. I'm going to have to find a little courage in myself and go and do something. So, in my mind, this was a good idea. Um, Rachel was an RA in her dorm. The RA's rooms were right by the fire escapes. We went to a Christian college. Girls had to be in at a certain hour, and you guys were never allowed near the boys' rooms. And the girls were never allowed near the boys' rooms. But what I decided to do was, 1 o'clock in the morning, climb the scariest fire escape you've ever seen because I was going to pursue her. So I start, you know, I've turned into Batman in my mind. You know, in my mind, especially when you look back on those stories, you're like, dude, I was doing backflips. It was beautiful. But I probably was like, you know, trying to get up the fire escape. And I climbed the fire escape and cars would drive by and I'd do this. Because, you know, you can't see me if I do this. And if I do this, you certainly can't see me. They were driving by and I was trying to hide, and I wasn't sure, but I made it to the top. And I went up to Rachel's window, and I did this. She freaked out. She's like, why is there somebody at my window? So she handed me the window, and I had made this great grand gesture, and she went, okay, the fight's over. Now get out of here before I get kicked out of college. So my great gesture worked, but without... Passion and courage, this never happens. And let me just tell you something. Passion and courage are what drive us in life. Passion and courage are things that, that we have. There should be one number one passion in your life. And his name is Jesus. There should be one thing that you are more passionate about than anything else. His name is Jesus. I love my wife. I love Alabama football. Nothing is more important than Jesus. It's got to be your number one passion. It's got to be your number one passion. It's got to be that one thing that you cannot live without. So the question is this today. Will Jesus be your number one passion? And second, do you have the courage to pursue your passion? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your desire to be to help a man like me. And Lord, I just ask that you would be with us in the next little bit. God, that you would give me the words to say. And Lord, that I would not hold back. Lord, that you would speak through me, that I would get out of the way, and you would be heard this morning. Lord, I thank you so much that you are what holds on to me in the middle of the storm. God, I love you, and I thank you. In your name we pray. Peter was a passionate man. So cool. One of those God things. We didn't talk about the special to do today. That was just one of those God things. And we're going to talk about Peter this morning. Because Peter was a very, very, very passionate man. He had passion. And the minute that Jesus came to him and said, Hey, will you follow me? He said, Yup. Dropped his nets and went. He had no holds back passion for God. He was excited 
about serving God. He was excited about what he could do for him. He never looked back. Matthew 14, 22 through 33, Peter has his first opportunity to express his passion and courage for Jesus. This is the moment when Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the water. Now, he didn't walk all the way to Jesus on the water. He began to see the waves around him. And he saw death all around him. And he thought it was over. And he took his eyes off of God. And Jesus reached out his hand. Some of you are here today. You've never taken that first step. See, Peter took that first step of faith when he got out of that boat. Your first step in faith, everybody here, is to say, Yes, Jesus, I love you, and you can be my Father. You can be my salvation. When I'm about to go down and death is all around me, you can be the thing that saves me. You can be the thing that becomes my passion. You can be the thing that matters. You see, Jesus went to the cross, and he died for you to defeat death. And then three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he had defeated death. And death no longer has to be something you fear. It can be something that is exciting and helps you push all of the things of life out of your way and go, yes, death has been defeated. I will take those steps to be passionate and courageous for Jesus. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've never taken that first step. I challenge you, don't wait. Don't wait another minute to take that first step. Don't wait another second to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. Come into my heart and save me from death. Don't wait. Now let's fast forward a little bit. Let's fast forward to the Lord's Supper, as we like to call it. It's in Luke chapter 22 that we're going to sit for a while this morning. Luke chapter 22. So Peter goes on and he begins to show his passion all over the place. He begins to, to show what excites him and what drives him. And it's, and it's Jesus. It's his passion. It's what he thinks is the most important thing in his life. And then Luke 22, beginning of verse 31. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. Look at verse 31. Simon Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. The word you in this verse is written in the plural in the Greek. So it was probably referring to all of the disciples when he said the you. But because Peter is the one who responded to what Jesus said, I just want to focus on him this morning for a little bit. Peter was the one who who spoke up in that moment. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. Graylin, you here this morning? No, he skips. The one way you tell him when you get home, you go like, I tried to talk to you, you weren't even here. I'm not a farmer. I don't know what sifting of the wheat looked like. 
I'm the, the closest thing I got to that is frosted mini wheats. And they're already sifted, I think, by the time they get to me. Uh, I don't know what sifting wheat means. So you know what I do? Just like everybody else, I go to Google. Because that's what you do. If you don't know what something is, you Google it. We Google stuff all the time at the house. It's like, what movie was she in? I don't know, just Google it. And it tells you stuff. The Google machine is my favorite machine of all the machines. Googling taught me this. Here we go. Uh, The first step in the process of sifting wheat is to loosen the chafe from the edible grain, which is called threshing. The old-fashioned way to do this is to spread the wheat onto a floor made from stone, concrete, or tamped earth and beat it with a flail. Now, I still don't know what that looks like. The Googling helped, but what helped even better was the YouTubing, because YouTube got a picture of everything. YouTube has got somebody who has done this somehow. So this morning, you ready, Mr. Eric? Wake up, up there. We are ready. That is sifting. That's not a flail. That's just a big old hammer. But that's what sifting, the beginnings of being sifted, looks like. It's, a, it's something beating you, beating you, and beating you, stripping you down, taking you off of the vine, and turning you into just a pile of stuff. I don't want that. I don't read the Word of God right here and go, bring it! I'm ready to be sifted by Satan. No! I'm ready to sit comfortably in my house, on my chair, with my feet up, going, my knee hurts. I don't want to be beat on. I'm going to chill. It's what I want to do. But Satan has asked permission from God to sift Peter. We've got one other instance in the Word of God where we see somebody who... Well, actually, we see a conversation between God and Satan about somebody. His name was Job. I just want to look real quick at Job 1. Y'all don't go with me. I'll just read it to you. One day, the Son of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan... Where have you come from? From roaming through the earth. Satan answered him and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, well, first of all, what was he doing? He's just walking around looking for seeing who he can sift. He's looking to see who's trying to do something for God. Can I tell you something? He's still looking. So you better be ready. If Jesus is your passion... You need to be ready for sifting. Let's just keep going. He said, I'm uh, walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man perfect in integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the works of his hand, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. 
Satan decided, all right, you think this is a man of God, you think this is a man whose passion is you, let me go sift him. Let me go get that hammer and beat on him. Let me beat him down. Let me smack him down and see how he, like, how he reacts then. Let's see what happens when his faith has to become real. Let's see what happens when he has to struggle. You've protected him all these years. Now let me go get him. And that's what he's asking about Peter. Can I go get him? That's what's happening. Church, it doesn't say anywhere in the Word that that, that stops. We better be ready. If our passion is not connected, we're going to fall on our face. Jesus wants to be your passion. But without passion, without courage, passion is just an emotion. And what happens a lot of times in our lives is Jesus becomes just an emotion. I love worshiping, man. Y'all do a great job, and I thank you so much. I, I, I love getting to worship God, and I love getting to sing praises to Him, and I love... I love that, that feeling that I get. That moment of, of being like broken. And the song I Am, ripping my heart out. That's one of my favorites. I'm so glad that y'all do that. Because it's got that double, double meaning to it. You know, like I am holding on to you and I am is holding on to me. In the middle of the storm, I am holding on. How cool is that? That Jesus is holding on to me and I'm holding on to him. And the world's all shaken up. But he's got me and I've got him. And we're going to be okay. And that, it evokes an emotion in me. I, I, I cried like a little girl on the front pew a few minutes ago. Y'all saw it. Don't make fun. But Jesus is not just an emotion. Because on emotions, you can have a good moment. You can have an exciting time. But you can't live on an emotion. Emotions fade. Emotions change. And if we're really going to be people of true passion, we can't live on just the emotion. There's got to be courage that comes along with it. There's got to be courage that comes along with that passion. Now, when Job was sifted, I'm going to read to you again for just a minute what happens, what his sifting looks like. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine, uh, in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabians swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger come, came and reported, a lightning storm struck from heaven. It burned up the sheep and the servants and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. The messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported that the challenge formed the three bands made a raid on the camels and took them away they struck down the servants with the sword and uh, and i alone have escaped to tell you he was he was still speaking he was still speaking your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. 
That's some sifting, y'all. That's some hammering down on you. That is a beat-down moment. And I know sometimes we feel the same way, don't we, church? You ever feel like, oh my goodness, I can't handle another one. And then it shows up. Oh, Lord, I can't handle another. And then it shows up. And then, oh my goodness, how am I going to deal with this while I'm dealing with that? And then there's another. How can I do this? How can I handle being sifted? Well, Job did it like this. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this place. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Whew. Whew. That's some courage, amen? That's some courage going, man, Jesus, you are my passion. You are my emotion. You are that thing that I'm so excited about. But now I'm scared. And now I've got to step up. And Job stepped up. And he said, it's going to be all right. We go on to read that he goes back and he gives him boils on his skin. And he continues to praise the Lord in the middle of the crud. And I tell you what, Christian, in this room, the crud's coming. I'm sorry. It's coming no matter if you're a Christian or not. But with Christ, that sifting doesn't destroy. With Christ, you can handle those moments. Even when you think you can't. Because there were moments, if you read the book of Job, go read it sometime. It's, it's, it's awesome and horrible at the exact same time. He's got some buddies who come over. <laughs> Bad friends. Uh, all that happens, some things happen. And we'll, 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 he stayed focused on God. Peter would have known that event. Peter would have known the events of Job. When Jesus asked, told him that Satan had asked to sift him, he would have known the events of Job. He would have known what Job went through when there was a conversation about him in heaven. Because he had the Old Testament. He had the law. He had those things to read. And now, he has a chance to react. And this is how he reacts to it. In verse 33... Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Passion is coursing through the body of Peter. He's like, Lord, you're the man. You are my everything. You are what matters the most. He thinks he is full of courage. Hear that? He thinks he's full of courage and ready for the fight to come. The problem is, to this point, there's not really been a very big fight. You see, it's easy to follow Christ in the easy times. It's easy when things are going your way. It's easy when you're not being sifted. It's easy to say, yes, Lord, I love you. I will fight for you. I will do whatever it takes. I will follow you through the fire. But then the fire comes. And you get the phone call. Or you get sick. 
or you hear the phone call that he's gotten sick, or whatever happens in your life. And in that moment, passion is an awesome thing, but it will not carry you through passion alone. Passion alone will not carry you through this hard moment. It will not. Peter thought it would. Peter thought, I can do this. I got this. But see, Jesus earlier had told them that you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. Can I tell you something? That's like me telling you, hey, Marley, take up the electric chair and follow me. Does that sound like something you want to do? Just nod. They're all left staring at you now. You know what I'm saying? It's not, we, we have the, the cross that created the thing. You made a little cross with your tambourine. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, you got the, you got, we, we made a jewelry. Y'all have some really, really pretty cross jewelry. That's not what he said. He didn't say put on your jewelry and follow me. He said get ready. Life's going to be hard. Follow me. He didn't say it's going to be fluffy bunnies. Follow me. He said it's going to be hard follow me. Take up your cross and still follow me. When it gets hard, still follow me. Peter says, it's going to get hard. I got this. No, my son, my friend, you don't have anything. He thought he had that ability within himself. You probably don't either, church. You probably don't either have the ability in yourself to go through this stuff that I am is holding on to you. I am is holding on to you. And you, hopefully, are holding on to the I am. Let's keep going. Uh, Jesus needs Peter to have a moment when his passion would really be challenged. So he obviously says, okay, Satan, you can go at my boy. You can go get him. And this is what he says in verse 34. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. That, sorry, until you deny three times that you know me. We've all heard the story of Peter's denial before. But here's what I want to do. I just want to read it to you one more time. But here's what I want you to do for me. You know that, that, that thought in your mind, you're going, well, I know what happens. Push it out. Act like this is the first time you've heard this, okay? Act like, push, push all your preconceived ideas of what happened out of your mind, and let's just read this as if it's the first time you heard it. All right, here we go. Verse 54. They seized him, Jesus, and led him away and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And Peter, he sat among them, watching it. He's seeing what's happening. He's there. When a servant saw him sitting at the firelight and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman! I don't know him! Got an excited one. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them too! Man, I am not! Peter said. 
About an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And then he went outside and wept bitterly. In that moment, that he thought he was going to be strong. He wasn't remembering the, the supper earlier and what he was told. He was just following, thinking, how can I? Yeah, I, I could almost see him being Batman, thinking, how can I get Jesus out of this situation? How can I sneak up there, maybe sneak it out the back door or, or do this? And then all of a sudden, it became real. It was no longer a comic book pretend moment. He was literally, literally accused of being a follower of Christ. He'd seen them and what they were doing to Jesus. And he went, whew, that's going to be hard. I don't want to go through that. And he became passionate about not being a follower of Christ. That can be us too. If we're just out there on emotions, when the emotion leaves, so does the passion. Jesus turns and he looked at him and it ripped his heart out because he was a true follower of Christ. He had said, okay, I'll follow you. I'll follow you, God. I'll be sifted. But when the sifting came, he couldn't handle it. He just couldn't handle it. And Jesus looked at him and it broke him because he thought he could do it. I'll tell you something, church. You can't. But Christ can. Amen? You can't get through the stuff. But Christ can. He will take you through the fire. Through the moments. He prayed for Peter. He prays for you. Let's keep going here real quick. The story doesn't end there. It says this in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19. It says... When they had eaten breakfast, this was after Jesus had died and rose again, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. He told him a second time. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. He told him, he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him that third time. See, he wanted to take Peter back to that moment where he had messed up. Now, if I'm taking you back to a moment where you messed up, my desire is to make you feel bad. I'm just going to tell you right there. That's my whole desire, is to make me feel good and you feel bad. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus is not vindictive or that person who's trying to beat you down. He's not the squish-your-head God that some people have turned him into. His desire was to take Peter back to that moment, 
back to the moment where they had locked eyes. And he went, and wept bitterly. And now, let's keep reading. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie, I'm sorry, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when I grow old, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. That he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. He went, you know what? I'm not worried about the stuff that you messed up. Just follow me now. We live our lives thinking that God can't use me. I've messed up. He said, don't worry about it. Just follow me now. That's what he's telling you today, church. Don't worry about your mistakes. Push them behind you and follow him. He's saying, follow me. He's reinstated Peter to the man who he was before. And Peter goes on. Let me just read Luke twenty-two thirty-two. 32 says this. But I have prayed for you that by my, sorry, by your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter became the dude who strengthens his brothers. He was the first dude. Hear me. He was the first dude to step up at Pentecost and preach. 3,000 people were saved. It goes on in in, uh, Acts 5.15 to say this. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the street and lay them on cots and mats so that when, when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. That's a man who's strengthened in his brothers. Isn't it? That's a man who said, I got this. I understand now. It's not my power, but yours. It's not my power, but yours. It's not what I can do, but what you can do. God, you just want an, a, a, a person who's willing to say yes. That's still what he wants, church. He wants you to say yes. He wants you to say, yes, I will go in your power, Jesus, and do what you've called me to do. So the question, will Jesus be your number one passion? Will Jesus be your number one passion? And do you have the courage to be sifted so that your passion for Jesus Becomes all that it can be. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you love us. And Lord, I thank you for those moments in my life where I've been sifted. God, let my passion and my courage not be merged together. God, that that, that I would have courage with my passion. Lord, I thank you for everybody in this room. Lord, if there's one here today who's not taken that first step of faith, let them do that today. If there's one here who has not said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me from death, let them do that today. 
God, in a room like this, most of us have taken that first step. So, Lord, I just ask that you'd help us to be courageous. That we would be strong and bold as you've called us to be. Lord, if we need to come to your altar, lay some stuff down, that thing that's been beating us up, let us do that. But right now, Lord Jesus. God asking you.